Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. Well, we're going to uh, continue in our series of uh, the path of hope and um, as, as we are uh, unpacking uh, the uh, principle today, or to me, one of the biggest aspects of the hope of our calling, I want to look, first of all, at our anchor verse. This is really, uh, what we're building our whole message, this whole series on, on this verse, and it's Ephesians 1.15, and it says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers." that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his what? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? There's a lot there, but this is the anchor, the foundation of what we've been building on. And it is the reality and the truth that you're calling in Jesus is the greatest hope that you have. It speaks to purpose in life. It speaks to hope of eternity. It guarantees where you are going after you take your last breath here. And it guarantees that you have meaning and purpose in this life now because you are called. And nothing the world throws you can take away that calling that is hope. And as we deal with life, our ups and our downs, who's had ups, who's had downs, your purpose never changes because you're called. And God has gifted you uniquely to accomplish some pretty significant things in his name in this world. Now, I want to land on this whole idea of what is this exceeding, uh, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. You see, it's, his primary purpose in this is, first of all, establishing that we understand the depth and the magnitude of being called and that his power would be experiential in our lives. The word is Dynamis, that's where we get the word dynamite. It's real power. And as all of us hear this, I'm curious as to what you think that looks like as it's manifested in your life, as God's power towards you is lived by you as you are obedient to his will. Why do we need his power? You don't have to answer. Just think about that for a second. Why do we need his power? When we think of power, I don't know you, I think of power to accomplish great things that are perceived by the world as great things. Ability beyond my own ability. 
where people are, take notice and my ability can gain me reputation. My ability can earn me things. I mean, think about it. We want to become more and more powerful in our lives, more and more uh, full of strength and understanding, right? But often, see, we, we, we see we could see power as a greater version of ourselves to do greater things. But what we're going to see is we need the power of God to be able to serve as God did because in our own power, we can't serve as God did. It's the power to serve. No. We need the power of God to be able to see people as God sees them, to see situations as, people, as God sees them, and be able to, to inject ourselves in a way that we are serving one another and loving one another despite our own feelings. You are called, and what we're going to see is each and every one of you, your calling has everything to do with serving one another. You can't escape it. And we're all gifted differently. But every gift is meant, when you, have a, when you buy a gift for someone, do you buy it and then keep, keep it and never give it to them? That would be weird. You buy a gift to give, right? We've received a gift, so we hold, we have gifts to give. And if we don't inherently understand as believers, as called believers, that each of us has our own ministry in which ministry means to serve, to love and serve one another because the world will know us by our love for one another. This is how the church glorifies God and how, first of all, we serve and love one another. And then that goes out into our areas of influence as we begin to love others and our neighbors as God has loved us, right? Everything about you is wired to serve. This world and even the church world has made it all about what can the church do for me? And because there's so many churches, this church isn't doing this for me, so I'm going to this church. And we're going to see, you see, when you really get who you are, it changes everything. Everything. Watch. For by grace you've been saved through faith, Ephesians 2.8. And that not of yourselves. First of all, this puts us all in the same foundation. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. All of us were worthy of death. We're deserving of death. But Jesus saved us. He served us through his death so that we could serve him. All of us are indebted, aren't we? We're all indebted. Now, for we, this, we love reading this, for we are his what? Okay. You've been made, you've been created for a purpose, for a reason, to accomplish a task. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. So again, this is the calling expanded. This is the reality of the calling that each of us have been created for good works. That word works 
means to toil, but more importantly, it's an occupation. It's a deed, it's labor, it's your work. It's not something you do for an hour. It's who you are. And any of you that have jobs or have had jobs, you know that that job is kind of who you are. You do it during the week, but also you think about it a lot also. It's who you are. When people at first are like, hey, my name is this. Hey, what do you do? You kind of identify with the work that we do. But what we're going to see is as called believers, as called by God himself, you have to know each of you has been, you're his workmanship and he's placed things in you and he has made you who you are and he is using all your experiences to form that work and that work that's in you has everything to do with the person next to you, beside you, behind you, around you. And God has wired you to see need. God has wired you to love uniquely and to serve uniquely. And what we're going to see, it's very counterintuitive. It's very counterintuitive to what I think sometimes we think we need to get out of our life of faith. Or what it means to be a member or a part of the church. Watch this. In Mark 10, 35, it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay, pretty bold. I like it. Jesus appreciated it. He said, all right. Well, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. They were seeking prestige and power and authority. Who doesn't want that? Who's happy with saying, I want to stay in this position in my company forever with little pay and lots of work? I hope I stay like this forever. No, all of us are driven, right? To get better, to succeed, to accomplish, right? And often, see, it's fueling this idea of self to get better and better and to grow and grow. And there's a place for that, but what we're going to see is this is not what Jesus is about. So they had no idea what the kingdom of God really meant. They really thought Jesus was coming to establish a kingdom on earth, and he was going to have all sorts of authority and power. He's like, let us sit in the positions of power next to you. We want that. We want to serve you so that we can have power and authority and prestige over all people. And so Jesus is like, okay. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? They had no idea what he meant by that. And be baptized with the baptize, pit, baptism that I, baptized, uh, that I am baptized with. And they said to him, yes, we're men. We are able. We are strong and mighty. We will be with you and walk with you. They had no clue what it meant to follow Jesus. They just wanted more of what they thought God would bring in terms of power and authority. And then Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink, foretelling their transformation of the Holy Spirit. And with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those whom it is prepared. Now, in verse 41, now, 
when the 10 heard that, so the other 10 disciples heard this going, are you kidding me? They're asking him this? I was going to ask them. <laughs> Why do they think they're so special? Why do they think they have a special anointing? Why do they think? So there's grumbling. Now it's just like, now it's kind of a mess. And they begin to be greatly displeased with James and John. Power hungry, James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said, all right, listen, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, meaning they have authority and can rule and can govern. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet, okay, you see this in operation in the world, and I know this is what you are wanting. I know you are desiring this level of power and authority. But he says, yet it shall not be so among you. This is not how the kingdom of God operates. This is not what the power of God looks like operating in your lives. And Jesus would ultimately give the example of what it means to walk in power and authority because he willingly gave his life. He was not a victim. And he had the power to take it back. And then he says this, and this is for every single one of us. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be, why does be a slave of all? Okay, Jesus, we get it. For even the son of man did not come to be what? But to and to give his life a ransom for many. Do you, come on, this is a radical statement that defies anything the world system feeds us. The world system is all about personal greatness. And even serving is still serving yourself. Jesus' death did not serve him at all because he was tortured and murdered. If anything, all of his followers thought he was a victim until he rose again. But Jesus came to serve as an example of who we are to be. Do you see why we need the Holy Spirit? This does not come natural. We don't wake up and say, who can I be a slave to today? <laughs> to choose it. Like you talk, I'm talking to choose it. Some of you may feel like that at your line of work. <laughs> but you choose to be, see the word serve means to be in attendance or to wait upon. That's a whole different mentality. You know, I was a waiter for many years. I did not enjoy being a waiter because of the people. I think every human being should at least for a year work in the service industry so you can understand what it is even to kind of know what it is to serve others when every part of you does not want to serve. Because they don't necessarily care about you. They want their food. They want, their, they want to be able to return something without a receipt. They want to be, me, 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 me. And you have to sit there and go, okay, you want more breadsticks? And I'm going to say... I wasn't empowered by the Holy Spirit. I was miserable. 
but I had to put a smile on my face. But it's this idea of we are here to serve one another in the church. This is our job. This is your calling. This is what you walk in. And let me preface this now. We're going to go more into this. As you are equipped, I think what has happened in this culture is we wait for the church to organize something before we feel like we can serve. It's not our job as much as it is your job because your ministry follows you everywhere. The church has a role, yes, in organizing and doing things in a way that can bring us together and offer opportunity. But often it's like, well, I'm just going to sit here until they ask me to do something. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to give you a kick in the right direction. Look at all the people around you. You could all get together and meet. You could have someone over for lunch. You don't need my permission or anyone's permission. You can love and serve one another and pour into one another without me knowing or anyone knowing. Cindy Beatro, she goes to our first service. She, she created a once a month coffee afternoon at her house on a Sunday. I didn't know she was doing this. It's incredible just to come over and get to know one another. She's serving one another. There's so many of you that do things like that. I want to encourage you because we are getting together as a leadership next week and we're getting together for this half-day retreat and we're gonna seek the Lord and say, all right, Lord, what is the vision for this church? What is our function? Who are we? And we're, we're gonna pray and we're gonna talk and we're gonna organize, but you all, it's not all on us. And this is not a shaming. This is like, this is really what the word points to. All of you have a ministry. All of you can like, get to, you could do, if you have something on your heart, get people and then go. You see, you don't need like this permission to get together and love one another. And in that, you're going to experience something in your heart that shifts. You're going to be wired differently. But often we're waiting, right? We're waiting and we're waiting. It's like, come on, you can't be waiting there's work to be done now, isn't there? You have neighbors, you have family, you have people sit. Look around you. Here's when God says love one another in a church. Here's the one another. Just look around. Here's the one another. Now watch. And he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers so we could be esteemed and have authority. No. For the equipping of who? That's all of us. For what? The occupation of serving. For the building up of the body of Christ. Do you see how this is working? Like, I'm doing my best to serve you all through my gift. I'm a piece of the puzzle. But ultimately, if you want to know what church is really about, it's first of all coming together to be equipped to know who you are so you can go and do. You are the works of ministry. I can't categorize those. And often, a church doesn't have enough categories to cover the uniqueness of who you are. Yes, there's areas to serve, and that's an incredible thing. But those areas are very compartmentalized. You exist not just outside of that also. I'm, telling, I'm giving you all permission to go crazy in a good way, to begin to even dream, to begin to even think, Lord, what have you put on my heart? And go 
Like when I was, the biggest lesson I learned when I was the owner of Madcap Theater, and I'd just come out of youth ministry, three years in, the Lord really said, stop compartmentalizing, because I would still serve in ministry, your ministry from your occupation. They're both. I didn't need permission from my church to have a Bible study with some of my employees and to minister to these young guys. I didn't need permission. And I'm not bragging on myself. It was a hard lesson, but man, when I got it, it changed everything. I didn't need permission to just have some people over to Madcap and have a worship night because my wife could sing. You see, there's a lot that could happen in the comfort of your own home. And if you have a heart, you know, know, man, I just want to reach out. I just feel like it's on my heart to reach out here. Get some people and, and then go because it's your work, you see? It's your work, it's your occupation, and it has everything, again, to serve. And I think too many of us, like, and I was like that for a while, too, you wait, to either to be noticed. It's like, no, just trust that God has placed in you direction. Come on. And as we grow as a church, this is what I want to grow the most, is that we are here to equip you so that you could do the works of ministry. And it says, I do not write these things to shame you, 1 Corinthians 4.14. But watch this. But as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Saying, guys, I, I consider you my kids. I serve you as my own children. I'm not just teaching you, but, I, but I'm serving you. And I care for you like my own children. And it says this. Therefore, what's he say? I urge you What? You have to understand, they didn't all have Bibles and just memorize stuff. We can memorize a lot of stuff, but what he is saying is imitate the gospel that I live, that I am like. You want to know the best way for the gospel to get in here? Imitate those who are living it and demonstrating it. Because we could fool ourselves by thinking we got a lot of learning, but it's not being applied. Each one of you has a ministry. And the equipping primarily should be, here's the truth, go. Here's the truth, go. Here who Jesus is, go. Here's what the fruit of the Spirit look like as you minister, go. Love one another first, go. And so, he goes, therefore I urge you to imitate me. Meaning it's a course of conduct or a way of thinking and feeling and deciding. So he's like, guys, I hope that I've demonstrated the gospel. I hope you have demonstrated the spirit of being a servant as I am with you. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my what? Not my teaching as much as what? See, Paul was living it. And he is encouraging them to live it. To imitate it. As I teach everywhere... In every church. So again, is this, is this starting to make sense? Each of you have different gifts. Not all of you are called to be pastors. Not all of you are called to be teachers. That's okay, which we're going to see. But I want to see, show you what Paul, but Paul demonstrates a little bit of what he imitated or what he demonstrated. As he's writing to the church of Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 2. He had every, he's the apostle, apostle. He had every reason 
to have that sense of entitlement and that sense of authority and that sense of, you know what, you're here to serve me because I'm the great apostle Paul. I'm here. I'm gracing you in my, my presence. But watch. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were what? Gentle among you. Just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. That screams service. Because you have become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preached you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. And God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we have behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we have exhorted and encouraged and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you should walk what? Walk worthy of God who what? Calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Meaning his, there's kingdom work to do now. And he's charging them, go. I'm charging you now. Go and do. And it starts where? Here. For in fact, the, uh, no, 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 no. I'm getting ahead of myself. So do you see, again, what have you been created to do? What? Who gives you permission and leads you in that? God. God. The church serves many purposes. But you have to understand that the church ultimately and why it's so important to gather, it is a place that we all come to exercise our love through our gifts for one another. All of us are members. You see, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but what? But unified by the same spirit. And that spirit will always speak love through service. I think the formality of church messes with us. Everyone's facing this way. You know, I'm elevated six inches only because I'm short or eight inches. <laughs> but it gives this false sense that this is what it's really all about. And I'm telling you as a pastor and talking to many pastors and other leaders, we feel the burden that it's up to us to figure it all out. And that if we don't figure it all out, people won't serve because people are waiting. You see... Our job, first and foremost, is to encourage you to walk in the purposes that God has placed in you. There's so much that you can do without our permission because it's the spirit of God in you and I trust him to lead you. 
and the formality, I think, raises people above others. Where we can become so like, I'm not that important. That's not what the word says. I think, I don't, people at home may not be able to say this idea. If this is what church was like, I'm Russ, right? I'm exercising a gift that God has given me. I'm serving you the best I can. And I know that comes with a high level of responsibility. But see, I'm doing my part. A lot of times we believe this guy is responsible for everything. I can't do it all. The elders and the board directors can't do it all. We're going to do our best to lead, but if all we're doing is just providing a few compartments for you to serve through, that's, that's an aspect of who you are. Each of you has. Like, imagine I get, I'm done, right? Okay, I'm done with my word. Now you need, it's your part now. It's your part now. See, it's your part now. It's your part now. We're all equally important. Do you know that in the human body, every part is serving the other? Like if I'm reaching for a hamburger, I'm serving my stomach. My stomach is serving the rest of the body. My eyes are serving my whole body so I know where I'm. You see, every part is serving the other part. And what happens is we say this part is more important. But where would the body be if only one part was functioning? See, every one of you have been brought here as a member, and it's not, and you hear member, you're not a card-holding member. You're a member of a body. And you are here for a purpose. And I need to encourage you to walk in that. Because I'm doing my part the best I can. And yes, I will make mistakes. And this is what happens in church a lot. Because we put so much burden on the pastor and people aren't experiencing what it is to be part of a body, if the pastor makes mistakes and doesn't serve them, they leave. Because all church is, is about getting fed. But when you serve, all of a sudden you have a lot more grace. You understand they're human. And yes, they are doing their best to lead. But when you know what an incredible function you serve here, it's not easy to be pulled away. It's easier to leave when you're not connected, right? So how do I get connected? You know, we're working that out. But you know what? You're adults. Connect. Look around you. Connect. Connect. See, they will know that we are Christians by our love for one another. The church has spent so much time fighting and arguing. Who wants to be a part of that? They already got their own dysfunctional family. And when people leave, say they don't believe in God anymore because the church, see, they, they've left the church because the church wasn't acting as the church and they've been hurt by the church. God didn't hurt them. Human beings did. So you all, as we're, this is a very important time of our lives in terms of this church. But it has to start with knowing you are called. Amen. Come on. I mean, you are called. Gathering is one part of what we do, but your occupation is that to serve. And God has given whatever you have in you to serve someone, to love someone. 
If you want to grow in your faith, that's what you do. But again, we're all on the same playing field. I'm saved by grace. And I'm growing in that also. But my desire for you, what I love more than anything, what God has gifted me with more than anything, is encouraging risk-taking. That's how I've lived. And I love to see it in others because life happens when you risk-take. Risk. Risk. Dare to serve, dare to love, dare to do something so outside yourself, but yet it feels right. But I could look stupid. That's okay. That's what dying to self really means. You see, but this is kind of how church should feel. And all of you are equally important. (laughs) And that's why I'm so glad to see your faces again. When we were scattered out there, there just wasn't the same level of connectivity that is so needed to grow as a body and to grow as a believer. But you are here for a reason. Don't, don't doubt that for a second. You are here. And watch what this says. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is, therefore, is it therefore not of the body? <laughs> And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not, not of the body, it is, therefore not, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole uh, were hearing, where would the smelling be? You see, but now God has set the, who set the members? God, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? You see, guys, this is what church is all about. This is why we come together. This is why we need to gather. This is where we serve and utilize our gifts and get comfortable with them so then we can know more about who we are out there, right? Now watch what this says in 1 Peter 4, 7. You guys can come up. He goes, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Now watch. And above all things, have fervent love for who? Look around. This is the one another. Look around. You're like, how can I love them? (laughs) The power of God. Do you see how we need the power of God to be able to love and to see as God does? It's not our first instinct. You need the power of God and it is in you because of the Holy Spirit. For love will cover what? Why? Because love creates patience and understanding. And when you're doing your part, you know you have a deeper connection and understanding of the whole and how important everybody is. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Some of you may not be called to hospitality. Don't invite people over if you're like, oh my gosh, I got to have people over for lunch. Who are we going to invite? You know, some of you, oh my, all right, all right, Russ, I'll have a tea party. What do you, oh my gosh. No, it's not the spirit in which you do it. It's no, you're serving and in that you know that that's who you are. However that happens, maybe you invite some people over to pray. Maybe get together and go for a walk. You know, we need to encourage one another. We need to be with each other. We need to, you don't know what the needs are unless you're talking to people. 
and meeting people. You don't know. And sometimes, you know, this is an important aspect of it. Sometimes you have to allow others to serve you, and that's way uncomfortable. But allow that member to do their part so that you could be healed and made well as that member. It's, it, you know, it's reciprocal. And there's different seasons. But see, if everyone is looking out, see, it will be taken care of. And then that stubbed toe will heal itself. And you know how hard it is to walk when the toe is stubbed. Guys, you are here. I'm giving you permission to go and do. Go and do. And it says this, as each one has received a gift, what's it say? Minister it to who? That's a command because it's your occupation as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's only because the grace of God that you have the hope of serving one another and you serve from that place of humility. Amen. Guys, God has exciting things. Be praying for us as leaders, you know. We're, we're men trying to follow the Lord and we know God's doing an incredible work. We just want to be on the same page as God <laughs> and be willing to do whatever it takes to create the function of this church because function will always define form. We don't want to serve form. We want to serve function. Amen. And Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for this incredible word. Lord, we need your power. Each and every one of us would ask, Lord Jesus, help. Thank you that you've placed your spirit, Lord, in us. But Lord, I would pray for help for each of us to see opportunity. And Lord, and I know much of that opportunity will feel so far outside of our ability, but that's where we have to trust, Lord, that your spirit will show up and empower us to love and to serve one another. Jesus, we love you. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.